Hey there traders, looking to take the guesswork out of trading and only 10 minutes a day? Then you need to head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com right now, where you can get our five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading in only 10 minutes per day. And the only place to get that is at AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com. Thank you so much for tuning into today's How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast brought to you by 10MinuteStockTrader.com. If you feel that I've brought you any value at all, please consider showing your appreciation by becoming a supporter of this free podcast at anchor.fm slash Christopher Yule slash support. This allows me to be able to create more content to give you the tools, tips, and tricks you need to help you trade faster and trade smarter. Welcome back to the How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast, where we give you the tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter. I'm the 10-minute stock trader himself, Christopher Yule, voted one of the top 100 people in finance for 2019. And today, we have a special guest who's back on the line today. He used to be known, also formerly known as the teen trader himself, Adriel Solorzano. And he is back today. He's had a birthday. He's not He's not a teen anymore. He's 20. So maybe we can learn from his uh, newfound experience and wisdom now that he's no longer in his teens. Adriel, <laughs> hey, thanks for coming back on the show today. This is the How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast brought to you by 10MinuteStockTrader.com. Thank you for having me, Chris. Really appreciate it. You are welcome. And and really, I, uh, I'm i glad that we connected and glad that we're able to to get back on the line today. So I, I had a couple more questions I wanted to ask Adriel after the first episode that he was on. And uh, if you hadn't had a chance to check that out, please be sure to uh, search in the podcast history for the interview with the teen trader. And uh, and that's that's Adriel here. What are you doing? Because at the end of December, I, I should say all of December, we've had some crazy markets. In fact, the S&Ps and NASDAQs have both, uh, they're not in at the moment, but they have both touched bear market territory. Mm-hmm. What what are you doing? What are you seeing? What are you, what are you putting on? What are you taking off? How are you adjusting and changing to these new volatile markets, which are I, I'm assuming, and I don't know you personally in that way, but I'm assuming uh, you've not been able to trade a market like this before. Yeah, so it, it's definitely been a, a new experience for sure. Um, when I first started trading, it was in um, August of 2016. So if you go back to then to now, it's basically just been a complete up market. So mm-hmm. you know, October of eight, 2018, November, December, where we saw those big sell-offs, you know, that was no experience for me right right so the way how i adjusted to that was um i like to normally um trade both sides mm-hmm. and in a market like this you know it's really hard to be trading both sides because the market is going just one direction just straight down every single day almost right so what i was starting to do is like okay you know volatility is high but at the same time it's really tough to sell both sides so let's just stick to one side and then, you know, the market was going down. So I just started like new positions that I were adding. I just started like doing like simple, like short call spreads, nothing mm-hmm. crazy, just trading, just taking advantage of the down move um, that um, I reduced a lot of my um, equity exposure and went more into the ETFs, um, given the fact that, I mean, you could have in a volatile market, a stock could be down, let's say 6%, 5%. But the ETF that's tracking that might have that stock in, in, in that in that ETF might only be down one or two percent or so, you know. So right. It gives you a little more, I guess you could say a little more less 
little ease of mind more because you know let's say if you're short a put on a stock that's down six percent versus an underlying that's down like two percent a little easier to handle like just down two percent to six percent so that's what i started doing like um started just doing like short positions versus selling both sides um reduced a little bit some of my equity exposure and went more into ets and something else that i did that it just kind of happened naturally it wasn't something you know there was so much uncertainty you know i was selling a few cost spreads here and there and i was go i went into like other markets instead of like looking for equity equity options i went into the futures market and started trading some of those products that were you know you were seeing so much volatility in equities and then you saw let's say british pound that has high implied volatility but it hasn't been moving much or let's say corn which hmm. has high implied volatility hasn't been moving much so i went into i started trading those products and started trading much less equities and that's how I was kind of able to, I guess you could say, survive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, because I started trading a couple, I started trading a little bit of foreign options, um, British pound options. Um, I traded a little bit of gold options, you know, just starting to like get into those futures options, silver options. You know, I started trading those products. And so, I mean, I had still some equity exposure, but I mean, the market, let's say, was down, let's say, uh, you know, there was points, the market was down 50 points, 60 points, 70 points. And yeah, I had a few equity positions, but it wasn't really like a big deal because I wasn't really like much into those. I was more into like other products that were, weren't really correlated to the market. So that also helped a lot. Um, something else that could definitely help that I definitely did myself. I, I started going more into defined risks just because, mm -hmm. you know, with the nature of the moves, if you're trading naked and depending on the size of your account and your risk tolerance, you could easily get whipsawed. I mean, you could sell an out-of-the-money strangle or an out-of-the-money put, whatever the case may be. And, you know, the market makes a big move in either direction. And, I mean, your options could still be out of the money. Be, you could be facing a good, hefty, nasty paper loss, right? Oh, yeah. And so, you know, you might get whipsawed. You might decide, hey, let me just get out of this trade because you get nervous because you don't want to continue losing more money. Whatever. So at least define risk definitely offered me that peace of mind that I'm like, hey, whatever. If the stock drops, I already know my max risk, my max profit, and I could stay in the trade and I don't need to like worry about my buying, my margins increasing mm -hmm. or like being facing a, uh, an ugly loss. So those are some things that I try to to what I was starting to do in these volatile markets, reduce the, the amount of positions I have. Um, you know, I, I know you say it occasionally, I see you on Twitter, you know, cash is a position and it definitely is a position for sure. So, you know, I reduced some of the amount of exposure, but I still want it to be in the game, you know, because yep. I've seen people, I know people that like with these volatile markets, like, hey, you know what? I'm going all cash 100%. And I'm like, hey, you know, that's you. There's nothing wrong with that. But then you don't learn how to trade in a market like this. And I personally want to learn how to trade in a market like this because. That's how you get better. You know, you learn how to trade in different environments. And so I did reduce um, the amount of exposure I had, the amount of margin I was using in my account. But I was still, you know, and like I still I was I was still in the game. I still had positions on, you know, just to like, OK, how do you how do I go about trading this market? And, and, you, and you start learning, you know. So those are some of the things that I started that I did to like be able to handle the, the craziness that we saw recently in the past few months. For sure, hey. like, you know, re doing some call spreads, a little bit of other commodity, like futures options that weren't really related to equities, define risk, so forth and so forth. Mm -hmm. But Adrian, yeah. I got to say, it's almost like you and I 
uh, scripted this beforehand. Because <laughs> a lot of what you're saying on there is exactly how I do my own trading. Um, yes. For example, you were talking about um, moving from equities into ETFs. That's something that I started doing mm, a little over a year ago, just in general. Especially when you're selling premium. I found that uh, ETFs, obviously, just by their very nature, tend to be uh, less uh, problematic, I guess you could say, than individual yeah, stocks. Yeah, it's statement, yeah. Because you don't yeah. have to worry about earnings or some like corporate news no. that tanks in the fact, stock. No, in fact... I, I'm glad you said earnings because that was that was kind of my catalyst for it because I was looking for trades and this was like I said this was over a year ago and uh, everything had earnings and I was like I guess I'll just start trading ETFs and then I, I started having some good success on it and I was like I really see a lot of benefit here with these ETFs because they now for the podcast audience here an ETF is a collection of stocks built into one product. And it can be it can be specific where it can be like uh, XLU, like utilities. So utility uh, stocks in there. They even have um, XLK, which is like it's technology stocks. And then there's SPY, which is the S&P 500, which there you're getting di diversification across all the 500 stocks. Um, but I, I mean, that's that's what I have found to be. That's kind of my wheelhouse. Part of my platinum membership package is that the members get a portfolio strategy review uh, through 10minutestocktrader.com. And this weekend I was going over my, my watch list. And if, if anyone uh, wants to check it out, it's literally nearly all of the most liquid ETFs out there. That's my watch list. And then I sort that by the implied volatility rank. And then I work down from there. So, for example, IYR is something I'm looking at right now because it has high implied volatility. And it's relatively inexpensively priced. And what you're going to find as well is that a lot of the ETFs are still under $100, where a lot of the single stock names have gotten really expensive lately. Like Amazon, I don't trade Amazon because it's so freaking big. Um, I mean, a $5 wide call spread on Amazon is it's minuscule versus like a $5 wide call spread in XLK. Um, so you're looking at a lot different exposure for the same amount of risk. And that means that that makes a lot of sense to me too, as far as balancing the risk and reward, uh, risk and exposure on these. Um, you also talked about setting defined, defined risk trades. So for me, defined risk trades, I, I started putting these on basically because when I first started trading, I couldn't sleep at night. Just the thought, like I remember putting my kids to bed one night and I got cold, like cold sweats, just sitting there thinking, oh my God, what if the stock drops overnight? What am I gonna do? And then I was like, I don't have to have this kind of uh, fear. I don't have to have this kind of risk. I, I, obviously, I am not prepared for that risk tolerance for that. So I'm just going to start trading to find risk trades. And if you look at what natural gas did recently over the last uh, couple months or so, it that was a violent move. Natural gas like doubled in a week or something crazy like that. And there were hedge funds that got wiped out, completely out, all the way out to the point where the people who were who had their assets in the hedge funds now owed money. And like, I don't know if that's ever happened before, but that that's what can happen with undefined risk. So in this example, um, the hedge fund, like let's say Adriel invested $10,000 in his hedge fund and I'm managing it. I've decided to put in all uh, short calls in this thinking that natural gas is not all that volatile, not all that volatile. And it's just gonna stay down, no big deal, whatever. 
Well, we wake up the next morning, natural gas has doubled in price. All of the assets under my control are gone. That's the kind of, uh, of risk that um, I, I just, I'm not willing to take. Uh, I don't want I don't want to lose sleep at night. I've lost plenty of sleep at night thinking about trading. And that's because whenever you whenever you're thinking about a trade, I heard someone say this uh, a couple a couple years ago. If you're thinking so much about one certain trade, that probably trade is probably too big. Exactly. Yeah. So I really keep my my trades like as small as possible. I mean, I do one, two, three, four dollar wide credit spreads and I don't go that fancy. Um, I just try and keep it simple. I know what works. I know it works for me. I do high probability setups and um, I just let it play out. And having that defined risk allows me to sleep at night. And and I, I can tell that you've had some issues that maybe prompted you to start looking at defined risk. And uh, I mean, everyone has their own risk tolerances. And, and I feel that that's um, one way that I work with mine. But one thing yeah. you, you talked about is uh, you moved into the futures markets. Mm -hmm. And I have just a cursory understanding of the futures markets. I've never traded them, uh, but I have, a, I have a decent understanding of them. Um, so tell me more about those. So Adriel, you were talking about working on or trading into different markets like futures markets. You were talking about the British pound. Um, you were talking about silver. Tell me more about those. Uh, how are you trading? Are you just are you buying the future or selling the future outright? And what even is a future? For the podcast audience out there, uh, could you explain what a future is? Because isn't that, how is that different from today? Is today the past and that's the future? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So um, with respect to a future, it's similar to an option in the sense that it's just a contract that gives you the right I, in in this case the difference between let's say an option gives you the right to buy or sell a stock with respect to the future if you buy or sell a future you have the you're basically obligated to take delivery of that let's say a commodity let's say if it's a crude oil contract then you're effectively locking in a price now for a later date in the future hence the name future the origin the reasons why futures came about was mainly for like farmers and people in that field that to hedge their agricultural products let's say their corn or their crude oil or their soybeans whatever the case may be you know they would go into the futures market and if they expected like soybeans to drop in price or some sort of that nature they would buy or sell a futures contract to effectively lock in a price in the future so if let's say um, let's say, let's use corn, for example, corn takes a big hit and like all of a sudden they're selling at cheap prices. You know, those farmers that make, produce corn would be taking a nasty loss. But since they bought a futures contract, locking in a price in the future, therefore they could use that future to effectively hedge their losses from the, the, the spot market, so to say, the open market of the corn market. Mm -hmm. And so that's the like overall idea of futures it was mainly used as a as a hedging tool to reduce risk for farmers and stuff but then as time went along you know more other futures products started to come about like stock um stock index futures and so forth interest rate futures and then little by little you know more speculators started coming out into the market that would buy a future or sell a future just based on direction you know they would buy a future thinking it would go up they would sell a future sell short a future thinking the the future would go down and they would make money off of that you know, bringing more liquidity into the futures market and so forth. And so um, basically that's the overall idea of a future is just 
another instrument to trade, just like a stock, just like a, an option. The difference is that with stock, you're an equity owner, an option, you have the right. And effectively with the future, you're effectively like you're, you're obligated. Like you could still sell your contract in the open market. It's not like once you buy it, you have to take it to expiration. You could always sell it before. But um, the difference between, let's say, options and a future is that like one has the right and the other one is an obligation. And that's the overall idea. And it's just a, it's a very um, black and white instrument. You know, you buy it thinking it's going to go up. You short it if you expect it to go down. And the cool thing about futures is that it opens you to, to different markets that you don't that you don't have um, exposure to in the stock market. Like in the futures market, you could trade corn, soybeans, cattle, hogs. Um, wait, 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 wait. So you're saying that I can, I can buy a contract for cattle? And... Yeah, there's a contract for cattle. I don't know the exact symbol for it, but I know there's a, there's definitely a contract for like for cattle. I don't I don't remember the exact ticker, but I think it's maybe so... LG or something. So whenever we trade like stocks and ETFs, like USO, um, I have no intention of ever taking delivery of that oil. If I were to go out and buy a future contract, would I, if let's say I held it to expiration, am I now the proud owner of a thousand barrels of oil that's going to show up in my front yard? How does that work? Well, if you're a big player, let's say a big institution and something like that, then you could take delivery, but let's say as a retail trader, you know, your broker will definitely like notify you beforehand. So you actually take, could take delivery on these is what I'm saying. Yeah, you could, in theory. but in theory, yes, but the brokers, <laughs> you, as a retail trader like us, they won't, they'll, they'll, they'll most likely close out the position if we don't do anything about it. I don't it, know. You know. I, so... I could use, I could use a whole truckload of pogs. <laughs> that would be great. Have yeah. so much bacon. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yeah, but yeah, that's something like people ask a lot. Like, hey, so if I forget to like close out my contract, um, am I gonna wake up the next morning and like a thousand barrels of crude oil are gonna be in my front lawn? And no, absolutely not. You know, your um, the clearing firm and your broker were all like definitely be on point with that in case if you were forget and that's never gonna happen because like you know we're just retail traders for big institutions, right. big hedge funds, big um. For them, it's a whole nother world, and obviously, there are other people that take on delivery and so forth and so forth. Well, but I'm as a thinking like is definitely not something to worry about. Right, right. But I'm thinking like you're you're trading the futures market in the same market, potentially even with uh, the airlines, right? They always talk about the price oh, of fuel for, sure. for airlines. Yeah. You could be you could be exchanging a, a contract with Southwest Airlines. Yeah, is that correct? That's true. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that a like, crazy concept, right? Like <laughs> like you, Adriel, sitting on his uh on his iPhone, he's buying futures contracts and oil, and you know, there's some some big wig hotshot on his trading platform that works for Southwest Airlines trying to make sure he gets the right right uh, economy of scale for all that oil they're gonna buy, is yeah. is doing business with him. Isn't that crazy? I mean, just yeah, the way that markets work. Yeah, yeah, you have access to as a retail trader, it gives you access to any markets and, you know, it doesn't matter if the person on the other side is either some computer, some other hedge fund, or, you know, like some airliner. You know, it definitely uh, opens you the world to like many more opportunities. And of course, with um, futures, you know, yeah, you have the like there's other strategies like you could do like um, calendar spreads, which is, you know, futures just like options have different expiration months. And so you could like, let's say, buy one month contract 
in let's say buy January crude oil and then sell February crude oil. And you're not and even talking it. on the on the option. You're talking about no, on the, talking actual about the actual future, actual, huh, actual wow. futures contract. You're gonna have to teach me that, about those, Adriel. Yeah, those are like the calendar spread strategies, which obviously again opens up another world of opportunities for trading futures. You could also trade the options on futures. You know, any different cool things that you could do. It's a pretty just another instrument, more opportunity. Hmm, that is really interesting. Okay. So I'm going to have to have Adriel back on to, to teach me more about this because my wheelhouse is stocks and options. In the futures world, I, I know a little bit about, but I'm learning a lot just right now. I didn't even realize that you could buy a, uh, a, a contract in two different months, buy or sell a contract in two different months. And it's not the option. It's the actual yep. future yeah, contract. That's yep, interesting. Sure. Yep. Huh. Yeah. So and and when doing that also reduces dramatically the buying power and still gives you exposure to that product. Say let's say you want to trade crude oil. To buy one futures contract in crude oil, the margin might be I think thirty five hundred, four thousand dollars. I'm not exactly sure around there. But let's say you do a, a a calendar spread, which is buy one month, sell. Let's say buy January, sell February. You know the buying power on that could be easily like two hundred, three hundred dollars. So from four thousand to three hundred bucks. You know that calendar spread is gonna much is gonna be less volatile than just the outright crude oil contract, uh -huh. so, and you're putting up less buying power. So you're still getting exposure to crude oil, but with much less volatility and much less buying power. So as a new trader, as a beginning trader, you know who wants to get exposure to futures, calendar spreads could be a definitely opportunity for them because, like I said, they're getting exposure, but they don't have to put up as much capital. And it's a much, and by doing that spread, you're effectively hedging the the risk, and therefore the the volatility of that, the movement of that spread, is going to be much less than an outright crude oil contract, let's say. Oh wow, man! I can't wait to learn more about this. Uh, yeah, for this sure, is, for sure. <laughs> this is something I, I mean, I have contemplated uh, just outright S and P futures, buying or selling right. those. Um, but the the strategies within the futures world, I am not familiar with, and I'd like to be. So we'll, we'll, we're going to have to learn more about that. Definitely, definitely. So, Adriel, tell me some lessons that you've learned uh, through trading. I mean, everybody, I, I've been very open, and I think that, that the podcast audience has really appreciated the fact that I am as open as I can be with not only my wins, but my losses. Because right. you learn so much more from your losses. I mean, Oh, for sure. I'm reading this book now by Steve Burns, and he's talking about it's uh, it's rich trader, uh, new trader, rich trader, and I'm gonna have this uh, I'm gonna have a podcast episode with Steve Burns talking about this book in particular. But one of the things that um, you know he talked about in this book is that the new trader, the inexperienced trader, they're out there, they're looking for things to do, whereas the rich trader is sitting back waiting for things to happen for them. So what are some lessons that you've learned? I, I have that same book, Rich Trader, um, New Trader, Rich Trader, and it's a really, really good book. I read the whole, I devoured that book. I read it in oh, like, great. A, a day and a half or in two days, I devoured it. It was a really good read, a really um, new learning experiences, like topics that you talked about. It was really good. And I mean, some of the things that I've learned with trading, I mean, for one is definitely um, no need to be chasing trades, just exactly like the book says, you know, as a new trader, you might be willing to just like, Hey, what trade do I do here? Let me do this trade. Let me do that trade. But ultimately, it's what fits what fits your strategy. You know, you have to find what exactly how it, how exactly do you want to trade? Are you want do you want to be day trading or do you want to be swing trading? Okay, then once you decide that, then like okay, how many what type of instruments are am I going to be looking at? Am I going to be looking at 
um, a specific sector or like specific stocks or like ETFs, you know. So it, it comes down to being like not jumping the gun on anything that just um, like jump like comes out at you, but like being disciplined to what your criterias are that what those criterias you have to decide them yourselves you know no one else can really decide them for you you know you there there could be people that give you certain guidelines you take those guidelines and then you apply them for yourself and you see what works best for you you know mm -hmm. what i mean so you know it's sticking to your 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 rules your i know it sounds very cliche because you could hear that you hear that almost everywhere like stick to your rules stick to your rules you know stick to your trading plan but ultimately it's it's the the truth of the matter because ultimately that plan is your your map of trading so to say you know like based off of those those rules that you have determined is what's going to make you answer and exit a trade either for a profit for a loss and so forth and so you have to stick to it you know um something that i've learned with a spade with short premium is soup it's really easy to get big you know you know oh, yeah. i say it i say it all the time to myself and i post it on twitter uh, on my on uh, my twitter account you know it keeps me in check you know manage your risk manage your risk manage your risk because it's really easy to get big in in options trading be it buying premium or selling premium it's just pretty easy to get it's easy to get really big next thing you think you have oh no i have small positions and then once a major move happens you're like oh crap i, I got pretty big you know so it's mm -hmm. definitely something really easy to get too big trading options be it short premium or or buying premium um but more with respect to the short premium um, it's pretty easy to get big to that. So that's something to definitely take into account. Like for me, I like looking at my notional leverage, um, which is just taking, let's say, notional leverage just being like the full value of that position. In other words, let's say I sell a, a put uh, in, in an XYZ stock. Stock's trading at $50 and I sell the 45 put for whatever, $2 in credit. Who cares about the credit? And so effectively, the notional value of that short put is like it's 4,500 bucks because that short put at the 45 strike represents 100 shares. And at the very, very, very worst, I get assigned long 100 shares at 45 mm -hmm. um, and 45 times 100, you know, that's um, 4,500 bucks. So the notional value of that position is $4,500. So what I like to do is like on my naked positions, mainly take the notional value of each and add them up. And then compare that to my net lick of my account. And I try to keep that notional leverage like not too high. Sometimes I get it a little overboard and then I have to reduce it. But I try to keep it like say 3x, 4x, you know, and that might, and it all depends on one's personal risk tolerance, you know. So right, let's right. Say, let's say, you know, uh, a $3,000 account. And so, right. And so you're, that means your, your naked positions. You add them all up, you're, you take the notional value of all of them, and then you come up with a notional value of $12,000. And your 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 net lick is 3000 So effectively, your, your leverage ratio or your notional value is four times because you have a notional value of $12,000, your net lick is 3000 so you're 4x leverage, right? And so that's something I like looking at because if you start getting really overboard, like six, seven, eight x um, leverage ratio you're like you're really big and you're you're pretty you're heavily invested and so you definitely might want to reduce some of the positions you have because in the case of a nasty move you know a pop in volatility or whatever they can you're going to take a really nasty hit and so that's something important that i like to look at is looking at notional value because by not looking at it 
it's you know you end up getting too big you end up taking some nasty losses and then you know it's it's tough definitely to recover from those drawdowns for sure um so wow. that's something that yeah. i like to to pay attention to the notional value also another good indicator is like um percent of buying power that you're using mm-hmm. you know and again this also depends on account size it's very subjective but keeping your i mean depending and say if you know you have a three thousand four dollar five thousand dollar account you know maybe um max using like 60 percent of your buying power you know because it's a smaller account you're gonna have to use a bit more of your capital but you know not, trying not to go over like 50 60 percent you know keep it at their max of buying power so like that again you know you always have cash on the side and you don't end up getting too big with your with your position you know not using too much margin um so that's something else also important to to pay attention to how much margin you're using because you know of course we know with short premium you know margins change all the time you know what cost Mm -hmm. what initially was a 300 dollars buying power if it goes against you it could be 600 you know it doubles and so if you don't have the cash on the sign you know you get a margin call and (laughs) you don't you don't want a margin call (laughs) right right you never want a margin call and so yeah that's really interesting that's um i'll be very honest with you i have not ever really looked at my uh notional value uh, maybe that's because I, I trade defined risk. Um, yeah, that's a, if it's yeah. defined risk, maybe you don't have to worry much. Again, you still don't want to go fully invested in defined risk. Oh, no. Because, you know, oh, no. you know, there's a, a, a likelihood that, you know, that max loss is what you truly experience. Oh, so if you use all yeah. your buying power <laughs> I've been in there. a bunch of different, <laughs> different defined risk trades, you know, you could end up blowing up. And again, that's something you don't want ever to do to blow up, mm-hmm. you know. Ultimately, yeah, when it comes and... to derivatives, um, um, just let, um, when it comes to derivatives, what I've seen the most, it it always comes down to size. Size is what kills you. Yes. Know? Trading too big, trading too many contracts. I mean, to your listeners out there, I recommend them a PDF. It's it's a free PDF that I found online. I don't even know how I found it. I was just like one day searching for derivative articles, and I stumbled upon this one. And the title is so intriguing. It just captures your attention. It's called. How to lose money with derivatives. And, it's, it's and like I'm going to find that and put it, that in the show notes, put the link yeah. out there. So how it's to lose a, money trading derivatives, you said? How to lose money How to lose money with derivatives. With derivatives, okay. Yeah, yeah. and like the and you just put PDF and it's maybe the first or second link that pops up there. I'm going to see if I try to find it myself and upload it on my Twitter account as well. Oh, and good work. So it's like a 60-page, 60 63-page PDF. Uh-huh. And it's it's a really awesome awesome PDF. I read the whole thing that same day. I did, um, and it's just basically talking about a, a bunch of like um, events that have happened over the time of like big banks, big hedge funds, big institutions that lost a lot, a lot of money trading derivatives. And you're gonna see it goes back to that leverage, no sh- um, size. You know, long term capital management. If, if I rem- um, I think um, they were they blew up right. And at one point. Um, I think it was long-term capital. I don't, I don't, I don't remember. It was like some hedge fund in 2008. Uh, correct. Uh, I'm gonna be wrong on the actual name, but they they had like a leverage ratio of like 40x to one, meaning on a wow 40 on, yeah on 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 a one percent drop that thing is gonna move like 40 times greater. So it was like they were hugely over leveraged, and is one of the reasons why they ended up blowing up. So that PDF is really good for anyone out there that wants to like just learn about like risk management when it comes to options trading and 
and derivatives and it ultimately always comes down to that to size to trading too big you know going back to that example that you mentioned about that hedge fund that blew up recently natural gas mm-hmm. same thing you know aside from yes it was nate undefined it was a lot also to do with the fact that the guy was trading a lot of, a lot of lot of naked contracts you know he was trading too big and hence the, yeah oh he the could reason he blew because up. he he had enough uh he had enough available margin to do that but just because you can doesn't mean yeah, you doesn't should. Mean should. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and something else that which we'll probably talk in our next segment about when it comes to futures options, the calculations of margin, you know, in equity, you have a different way to calculate how much money you have to put up to sell an option. And in the futures market is a different calculation called span margin. So with span margin, it's a little better span margin, but it's much more easier to get bigger trading futures options than it is with equity options. Mm, okay. So that's something also to be really aware when trading um, futures options is that spend margin it might seem like, hey, look, I only have to put up $200 for this option that I'm selling, but that that option can grow teeth if you're not careful. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Yeah. So maybe and that's probably another reason that what happened to the guy, you know, with spend margining, you know, he was selling 40, 50, 60 contracts in natural gas or however many he was selling, probably not having to put up a lot of buying power relative to his overall size of account. But. You know, like you said, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And he yeah, definitely shouldn't point. have been selling so many contracts. So so that's definitely a PDF I recommend anyone to, that's interested. Yeah, to really and I'll read. put that in the, uh, the show notes as well. I'm going to put Steve Burns' uh, New Trader, Rich Trader we talked about. I'll put that link in the show notes. And I'll put this uh, PDF in there as well. Adriel, you are you are a fount of links today. What else do you have? Yeah. So Adriel is a college student. He's no longer a teen, but he's still a college student. <laughs> and he and I were talking about maybe he could share some of his tick tricks and maybe some techniques that he uses as a college student to, to manage his portfolio. I mean, my whole deal is that I want to give people the tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter. Obviously, I talk about that all the time. But by doing that, I don't want you sitting in front of a trading screen all day long. I have an iPad, and I do every single trade Every trade management, everything, all my trade journaling, everything is on my iPad. And I carry it with me. I don't need nine monitors. I don't need anything fancy. Um, I just use the data plan. It's a cricket data plan. It's nothing fancy on that either. Um, so, I mean, that that's my whole deal. We, we want to be able to get you to where you can trade, you can actively manage and trade your own portfolio in about 10 minutes a day. Now, obviously, anybody can spend as much time as they want to trading. I mean, that you can choose to trade as well as long as you want to. But for me, that's what I do. So what are some of the tricks that you use, tricks, technologies, tips, anything like that, that you use, Adriel, as a college student to to manage your your social life as a college student? I remember when I used to have a social life um, with yeah. trading. I mean, what, what are the things that you're doing? For sure. Um, yeah, it's because the same, you know, like you said, you know, I'm a college, you know, I don't have the time to be looking at the markets every day. Occasionally, every now, yeah, I'll check on my phone because I have the app just to see what markets are doing. But what, you know, uh, real quick, what, what app do you use? Um, I use both. I use the Tastyworks app because those are where my actual positions are, and then I also use the the Toss app, the Thinkorswim app. Sometimes, mm, even though okay. I, don't, I I still have some money in there, I don't use it to trade, but I still have the app, and I'll, I'll occasionally look at that one too, just to search up uh, different things. Yeah, you you described exactly what I do. I, uh, yeah. I have Tastyworks, which I've talked about several times. Make sure you open a co- an account there. Use the code 10minute. That's 10-M-I-N-U-T-E. Adriel also has an account there. I really think it is the top-notch platform that you can use. Um, and beyond that, Thinkorswim 
the, the inventors of Thinkorswim uh, also built Tastyworks. Yep. But what Thinkorswim has that Tastyworks doesn't have is really advanced charting. And I don't need all that advanced charting. I do it from my iPad or from my phone, like Adriel was talking about. But that's where I go to to look at some charts, to get some idea of things. And then I'll go into Tastyworks and make all my business happen there, I guess you could say. Here on the How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast, we give you the tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And I think the smartest thing you could do is open a new brokerage account with Tastyworks. Tastyworks is a brokerage platform that I use and I recommend. The commission structure is absolutely unbeatable at $1 per leg total. Now, if you sign up for a free Tastyworks account using the code 10MINUTE, that's 10-M-I-N-U-T-E, I'll give you $150 in free 10-Minute Trader exclusive bonuses from 10MinuteStockTrader.com just for opening a free account at Tastyworks. Remember to use the code 10MINUTE, that's 10-M-I-N-U-T-E, when signing up for your new Tastyworks account today. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's kind of how the same way I approach it. So, you know, like I said, you know, I have classes, you know, like I'm a full-time student, so I have classes all day, um, occasional breaks in between, and then I'll quickly check the markets or so forth. But one of the big, biggest things that, like, it took me some time to actually start doing it. I don't know why, but GTCs. By far, GTCs are such a big... Um, to close or to open? Um, To close, mainly to okay. close, yeah. GT like once I put in a, I open a trade, I immediately put the GTC in there to manage that 50% of max profit or 40% of max profit. Oh, and I love that. What yeah. what gives you more pleasure? Now, I'm, I'm sure it could be many things. But for me, as an, you know, a grown adult with not all that much uh, <laughs> excitement in my life, but I love getting that little notification on my phone saying this order filled 50% or whatever the case may be. I love that so much. Yeah, so like I was saying, um, I definitely like using GTCs. It definitely um, saves a lot of time because I just put in the the GTC and then I don't have to worry about closing the trade anymore. Um, I put it at whatever percent I want to manage it. And then, you know, there's been many times I've been working or in school, in class, whatever the case may be, and I get that little notification, you know, and it's, like oh cool i just made some money on that trade you know it definitely yeah a lot. yeah exactly a lot. i love and, that yeah exactly it's like sometimes i'm with like a couple of let's say we're at a study group and then i get a little notification on my phone and I, just to like sometimes mess around with them, my friends i just don't know hey look i just closed the trade i made um 80 bucks <laughs> I, you know, I just, just to like mess around with them a little bit they're like oh dope you know it's like yeah so it definitely helps a lot like i said because i don't have to be constantly monitoring the position mm -hmm. and once it hits that price target like when I mean price target like that percent of max profit, it just the you know the platform automatically closes it for me. I don't have to worry about it. Right. So, and what Adriel's talking about, a GTC order is good till canceled. And with options trading, um, you can put that on essentially to to close the trade whenever. But you can tell it, hey, I want to let's say let's say your max profit in the trade is a hundred dollars. The the most efficient, the highest win rate way to get to to profit with options is to close that at 50% of max profit. So whenever I put a trade on, it sounds like Adriel does the same. As soon as that trade goes on, I'm immediately putting my closing order in for 50% of max profit. So, and, and like I say, the reason for that is because it increases your win rate and overall increases your profitability over time. Uh, but you could leave it on until expiration. And if you've sold like a credit spread for $100 and at expiration, it will potentially expire out of the money and you keep the whole thing. But with the GTC order, you can be in class or you can be um, hanging out with your friends in a study group and it will close that order for you as soon as it reaches that profit target that you don't have to worry about anymore. That The trade's over, you've made your money, and you can move on to the next one.
So, yeah, I love GTC orders exactly for that reason. Yeah, definitely. It saves you a lot of time, and by far, um, it's definitely something everyone should definitely do, especially if you're busy working or just don't have the time to look at markets because it definitely saves a lot of time. Uh, something else that I like to do occasionally as well is setting up alerts, like when a certain stock reaches a certain price level or so. Um, okay, just, so a price alert? Yeah, price alert. Just because, uh -huh. let's say I sell, a, I sell a strangle in an underlying, right? And then, you know, I, I could put, I'll put an alert occasionally, like um, where my break-evens are. And so once the stock reaches that break-even, then it alerts me, hey, look, XYZ is at um, this at this price target that you set up the alert. I'm like, okay, so now I need to adjust my position. You know, I need to either roll up my puts, roll down my calls, whatever the case may be. And mm -hmm. I need to defend the position. So that's something also that helps, you know, because like I said, you know, sometimes I'm in, you know, I just can't be looking at markets. And so I get the alert. I'm like, oh, I need to adjust this position. So I quickly, you know, just log in the app, just, you know, it's mechanical, not even needing to think about it. Okay, it's, it's, it went through my break even, let's say on my call side, got to roll up the put, you know. And so I quickly, you know, it takes you 30 seconds to do the trade. Just type, you know, you go, to, you open the app, so you, type, you search up the ticker, whatever it is. And then you just, boom, roll up the put, you know, 30 seconds and you're done. And then you go back doing what you're doing. But it definitely helps because, you know, so like that, you know, um, if you're not able to, like, be looking at the markets all day, you know, just quickly log in, boom, 30 seconds. And boom, you you adjusted your, your position. And then nice. you continue going, doing whatever it is that you were doing before. So yeah. that's also something that helps a lot, too, because sometimes, you know, with so many positions, you might forget, like, okay, how many, how much did I receive in credit? Where's mm -hmm. my break even? So if you if you if one wants to do that right at the beginning of the opening trade, then you know if then they don't have to like think twice about it. They get the alert and they're like, oh, okay, I need to adjust my position, and then boom, you go about doing it. Nice, then, that's a great so idea. I like that. So those are two things that I, I like using a lot: the GTCs and the those price alerts. So like that, I know I, one closes my position, and the other one notifies me when I have to adjust and defend my position. And those are like the you know, profit taking and risk management. So those are like two important things when it comes to trading. And so those two, like doing those two things help me with respect to to that. So Very those cool. are like some, some things that helps me a lot. Those are like the most important things that help me a lot saving time with respect to, to trading are those two things for sure. Gotcha. So what are some of the most critical skills that um, traders as, as they are learning the craft or have been in the craft for a while what are some of the most critical skills that you have found really help you in your trading um, beyond just, you know, um, what apps to use or any orders or in particular? But what what do you find to be something that you've learned from experience that you feel could be one of the best lessons that you've learned to share with uh, with the podcast audience? Some some way to help them trade better. Well, one thing that's really important, especially as a new trader, is like truly understanding what you're trading. You know, I've seen many people that start trading options, but they don't really understand it. And then, then they start losing money and then they're like, oh, this doesn't work. And I'm like, dude, you didn't take the time to really learn it. You know, you got to learn it before you actually mm -hmm. start doing something and put your money in it. So by far, as a beginning trader, by far, definitely that's something really, know the, like the nooks and crannies of options, you know, what it, what Where's your break-even point if you buy or sell an option? And what's the difference between a call and put, assignment, um, um, exercising your options, uh, expiration, you know, all those different things. 
um, times expiration, your Greeks, you know, those are all, like, important things to know as an options trader because they're just it's part of the Hold business. Hold on. You're, so you you're gotta... telling me I can't just go out and buy some calls and I'll be set? <laughs> if only it was that easy, <laughs> right? But then everyone <laughs> would... Absolutely not. You, know, you gotta you gotta understand all your your different option Greeks. They're important. Um, your um, the difference between calls, puts, expiration, intrinsic value, extrinsic value. You know how uh, a dividend might affect um, prices in your calls and so forth. You know all those different things are important to know. So definitely, like truly understanding what you're trading is really important. Um, and aside from that, it's just being like um, just not giving up you know a lot of people you know think trading is a one-year thing hey i was oh gonna my goodness money yeah. and I, i'm not gonna continue trading i mean trading is like any other business it, it takes years to develop it's not easy it's like you know the sport example which i think we might have used it in our in our last um podcast that like you know an athlete doesn't become an nba professional nba player in three months playing basketball in his front in his in his front porch in a basketball hoop right it takes years the guy practices years and years and years and even once he's an nba player he's still practicing every single day for hours mm -hmm. you know um honing his craft and it's the same with trading you know trading you know takes years to develop it's not a easy business it's uh it's, it's hard you know trading is not easy it's definitely hard and ultimately it's just you know finding and just keep sticking to it being disciplined being um consistent being determined you know ultimately that's something that helps a lot just being determined and you learn from your mistakes you build off of those mistakes and you know you just start well hang on a second i was told on instagram okay that all i need was four thousand dollars and i would be a millionaire by the end of the year are you telling me that's not possible <laughs> oh uh, <laughs> if it was possible i'm pretty sure those guys advertising it wouldn't even be advertising <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, there's yeah, a lot that's of, a great point. And, and, and a lot of little to Angel's point, yeah. yeah, not giving up is really key. Uh, I've blown up my account, I think, three times, and it sucks a lot. Uh, yeah. But when you when you realize what you did wrong and you've made notes about how you can improve it, that's what really matters. Is mm -hmm. I mean, not everything's going to be a winner. You have to understand that up front. But you want to be able to get your win rate to be high enough to offset losers and to grow your account. And yeah. most people come into this with such unrealistic expectations, like the 4000 to a million. But if you could return a 20% return over the year, that is massive compared to anything else you could ever get into. And that's only like 2% a month. And if you're on a $1,000 account, that's like 20 bucks a month is all you'd have to take to get from $1,000 to a 20% return by the end of the year. And when you think about it, when you chunk it down into tiny little pieces and realize just you don't have to take huge risks, you don't have to get giant returns in order to have a really strong 20% or even 30%, whatever the case may be, return, if you're only pulling out 20 or 30 bucks a month for every thousand. Do you know how realistic, Adrian, when I tell you $20 on a thousand, do you immediately think, oh, that's easy? Because yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. Twenty bucks on a thousand, yeah. no big deal. That's right. super easy. Now yeah. compound that every month, and you've got incredible returns. Yeah. But that's what people need to to keep in mind. Yeah, you will not interest, double. That's what... You will not double your account this month. Not going to happen. If you do, you've done something exceptionally high in risk, and to think that you may be able to pull it off again is very reckless. Yeah. Um, and the way I trade, I trade high probability, and I try to make. Um, 
not as much money as possible, but I want to make sure that the gains that I get, I keep. <laughs> right. No, uh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Ultimately, when it comes, that's the the hallmarks of a, a successful trader. Because you know, making money is relatively easy. You know, you either you know sell a put spread or whatever. You know, it's relatively easy. Okay. Um, but the hard part is keeping it, <laughs> and uh-huh. that's where where your skills will really show as a trader. You know, you're able to keep your profits. Yeah, sure. and just take as much emotion out of it as you can. That's yep. fear and greed really are huge, huge, huge drivers for the market in general. That, that's yep. the way I look at it. And yep. you know, just keeping it small, keeping your risk in check, um, and not giving up, like Adriel's saying. Uh, it, it, like I say, I've blown up my account three times, but I knew the moment that I knew that I was going to be a trader, I was like, I'm never going to give up. I told somebody, it's like a crack addict. I was like, I'm never, <laughs> ever going to give this up ever for any reason. I will keep right. doing what I can to make sure that I can make this to work. Cause I, I knew the end of the tunnel was going to be so much better than just dealing with these drawdowns. For sure. Yeah. And something else that helps a lot is keeping a spreadsheet. Um, I, I keep a spreadsheet in my in for my own trading, a spreadsheet of, of all the trades I do. Mm-hmm. And I keep many metrics for each trade. For example, okay, I do a trade. I do what strategy I did, mm-hmm. how many contracts, what credit I received, um, how long I was in the trade for, like after I close it. I take it, I take into account what's the current, uh, what was the initial probability, the pop, probability mm-hmm. of profit. And P50, probability of managing at 50% at the opening of the trade. I like to keep a track of that just to see, okay, on average, the trades I make on average have around a 60% pop, let's say. And so what's my current actual, what's my actual success rate? Is it more than that? Is it less than that? Mm-hmm. So I like, I like tracking my pop and my P50 on each trade. I also like to take into account... Um, how long I held the trade for after I, once I closed it, like, oh, I was in it for 30 days, 21 days. You know, some of the Tasty Trade studies have shown how on average to manage at 50% takes around 21, 22 days. And it's pretty cool because I've been tracking my own trades and usually when I manage around 50%, I was in that trade for that long, 21 yep. days, 22 days, 16 days, 18, you know. So it's pretty cool how, like, you know, the studies, you know, it's, it's accurate, you know. So I like keeping a track of that. I like keeping a track of the the monthly IV you know let's say if I sell uh, I like keeping a the, a track of like that that month that I'm in what's the implied volatility of that month and then what's the implied volatility once I get out of the trade for that month mm-hmm. you know I like keeping just all those things into account you know so like that I just you know you start learning from your mistakes you start learning okay what strategies are the ones making me the most money what strategies are the one making me lose the most money um, what underlines have I made the most money and, and, you know, so forth, just to like keep learning. Like for example, last year, um, you know, it's funny cause I think we talked about this in our last segment with respect to iron condors. I had a couple of iron condors that were some hefty losers and that was like, so iron condors wasn't the best strategy for me on 2018. It was more like short puts and strangles, you know, that was where it worked, worked best for me for 2018, you know? Right. And so you're like, okay, cool. So, you know, like, you just start seeing what strategies are making me the most money, what strategies are losing me the most money. You can see what's my average um, pop, um, P50, what's the average credit I'm receiving whenever I sell options, or what's the average debit I'm paying whenever I, I, I buy options, you know? So I like keep track of all those things because then you look back and you're like, okay, what have I done wrong? And then you start looking at the strategies you're doing. And so you're like, okay, so this is what I've been doing wrong. This is what I've been doing wrong. 
and you know you know so keeping a spreadsheet definitely helps it's oh these yeah this is great I, this is what i do as well and and almost everything that you describe i, I also keep in my spreadsheets um my spreadsheets are available to anybody at 10minutesdoctorary.com slash portfolio that's for the uh open trades that i have and then if you want to see everything i've traded over the last year uh you can go to 10minutesdoctorary.com slash free dash portfolio and and I've listed out pretty much everything that Adriel has in there, except for a couple items. But yeah, I do the same. I do the underlying. I do the uh, probability profit. I do the open date, close date. Um, I do the strikes. I do the number of contracts, the credit, all that stuff. Everything I ever would yeah. want to know, I keep track of. And then one thing that I do, since I only trade definers trades, is I also keep track of the return on capital and the return on mm. capital per day. Um, right. I find that really useful, especially when... When you look at an options trade and you see, holy crap, I just did a 30% return on capital. That's amazing. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> you, you literally did like a 20, uh, a 25 delta $1 wide credit spread. But you still return like a 30% return on capital. So to see that kind of figures and like it, it, it really helps me a lot to understand the risk that I'm taking and the reward that I'm getting as well. Yeah. Um, and then anybody can scale these things up too, right? So if I'm putting on a one lot, maybe Adriel's ready to put on a five lot and someone else is ready to put on a hundred lot. Uh, so that it's all dependent on your, your risk size and, and tolerance as well. So yeah, that's cool. You're talking about the, uh, the, the spreadsheets there. And um, yeah, that it, it's so enlightening to see what you thought was a great trade. What's been working well for you, what has an 80% win rate is actually your very worst performer because it is a net negative. <laughs> Yeah. Because your your losses are so much bigger than your wins, even though you've won eight out of ten of them. Yeah. Yeah. Really interesting. Yep, for sure. So that's definitely something that helps me a lot too. Like I like going back, reviewing, and so like, okay, so these are some of the things to improve on for, you know, for the coming, in the future, you know, to improve yep. on these certain things and so forth. Absolutely. So, Adriel, let's go ahead and wrap up there. Uh, I'm gonna have Adriel on in the near future to talk about futures and futures options. Uh, this is going to be a new ballpark for me, so uh, you'll probably hear me ask way more questions than I normally do as I'm trying to uh, to understand. Um, but yeah, this is this is really great, Adriel. Thank you uh, so much for coming back on today. We're gonna have to find a new nickname for you. We can't call you the team trainer anymore. <laughs> yes, we'll see what we what we come up with. For sure. <laughs> and thank you for having me on, Chris. Definitely. Oh, my pleasure. And uh, you know, everyone who uh, who's listening today, if you want to reach out to Adriel ask him some questions or, you know, just let them know how much you appreciate the podcast. Where can they find you at? Um, yes. So, um, I use, um, Twitter and Instagram and on both is the same handle. You can find me as I solo trader, A I S O L O trader, A I solo trader. And so I'm there on Twitter and Instagram. So definitely give me a follow and, and message me with any questions and I'm always willing to help out anyone that. Perfect. Anything. Well, Adriel, thank you again for coming on. Thank you for sharing your expertise with everyone. And uh, we'll be sure to have you on soon. For sure. Thank you so much, Chris. Yeah. So that wraps up today's How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast. I've been your host, Chris Ruel. That's been today's guest, Adriel Solarzano. And uh, make sure to come back tomorrow for more tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And I'll see you on the next episode. Hey, thank you so much for listening to today's How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast. Make sure whatever platform you're using to subscribe and, you know, leave me a rating if you don't mind. Five stars would be great. Make sure you head on over to 10minutestocktrader.com and download the one-minute options trading quick start guide. It never will be outdated and it applies to every single options trade that's ever made. So it'd be really useful for you. 
And then while you're there, check out the free portfolio page. That'll show you everything I've traded over the last year. And since you're on the website, why don't you check out the free trading course? And I put that together to help you trade faster and trade smarter with all the tools, tips, and tricks that I use in my own portfolio. And if you haven't set up your Tastyworks account yet, please be sure to do so. Head over to tastyworks.com and use the code 10MINUTE, that's 1-0-M-I-N-U-T-E, for over $150 in free exclusive bonuses from 10MinuteStockTrader.com. And thank you so much for listening to today's How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast. It means the world to me that I can be a part of your day, and thanks for stopping by. Now that wraps up today's How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast. I've been your host, Christopher Yule, and thanks for stopping by. 10MinuteStockTrader.com content is for information and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be trading or investment advice or recommendation that any security, futures contract, options contract, transaction, or other financial instrument or strategy is suitable for any person. Trading securities can involve high risk and the potential for total loss of any funds invested. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell, through his content, financial programming, or otherwise, does not provide investment or financial advice or make investment recommendations. Investment information provided may not be suitable for all investors and is provided without respect to the individual investors and audience's financial sophistication. Financial situation, investing time horizon, or risk tolerance. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell are not in the business of transaction security trades, nor does it direct client commodity accounts or give commodity trading advice tailored to any particular client's situation or investment objectives. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell are not licensed financial advisors, registered investment advisors, or registered broker dealer. Stocks, options, futures, futures options, and any instruments not included here involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. You alone are responsible for making your investment trading decisions and for evaluating the merits and risk associated with the use of any financial security and brokerage platform. For more information, please visit 10MinuteStockTrader.com slash legal. And thanks for stopping by.